0: Um, well, I'd like to introduce myself. I'm Matthew George Mulavelil, and you may wonder where does George come from, and my name is different on the, on the uh, on this website and in the pages. But uh, my name is Matthew George Mulavelil. It's part of my passport, so in case I want to apply for visas anywhere in this part of the world, I have to put my full name. And so at the end of it, people usually put it Matthew Mulavala. It's a big mouthful, but I'm Matthew George. You can call me Matthew. Um, and I'm a dentist by profession, but I'm a non-practicing dentist because about seven years ago, I moved into complete teaching and training, especially in missions and aspects of what I'm dealing with today. Uh, I, uh, if you look at me, I'm an Indian. I look and, but I'm an Indian bird with an Afri- African walk. Uh, I'm culturally and ethnically, ethnically an Indian but I grew up in Ethiopia and so my, my the, the way I think and the way I do things are more related to being an Ethiopian and I'm more so an African because I studied in a school that had multiple nations as part of my community uh, and I speak the universal language it's called the language of love and I think we all understand that. We may speak different dialects, but there is one language that binds us together, language of love. And it is that love that we express through this care for the caregiver. I am, part, I am the CEO and, uh, of, of uh, Companions of Grace International. And uh, we, our purpose is to challenge, train, and empower healthcare professionals to be on mission. Uh, and, and we do it through the vision that we have. We have a vision What's a vision that the global healthcare community, pursuing God's kingdom and engaging with God's mission, in their daily lives, and their workplaces? So this is a big picture that my friends and myself and my team members have. That across the globe, in every community where healthcare workers who call themselves as followers of Jesus are present, they would engage with God's kingdom, and pursue with God's kingdom and engage. With God's mission in their workplace and even in their homes. And how do we hope to do that? So COGI's mission is God will inspire and we want to inspire and equip Christians in healthcare to form and launch transformed and vibrant communities that are on mission for God. How do we work? Our approach in India, because it's an India-based organisation, we work is organic, with programmes being carried out through networks. We've got a whole network of uh, Christian healthcare organisations and institutions, and we work through them. But globally, we work through partnerships. We don't want to see COGI anywhere in the picture in that context. We want to work through partnerships. And here in the U.S., we work through the TMS, the uh, global, and our stall is at 1309. So the rest of the day and tomorrow, you can visit us. Uh, In Africa, we work with an organization called CAPRO, or Calvary Ministries. It's primarily a church planting agency, but they've got also health healthcare involvement, and they are an organization that's 783 missionaries across 22 countries. So we're grateful that we can work with them. We also work with another organization, partner with them, uh, is the Healthcare Christian Fellowship International. They work in 72 countries, and we're slowly building up our networks so that whatever God has given to us in terms of the material and portfolios, we want to share it. We have, the materials are copyrighted in such a way that you copy it rightly when you use it. I want to bring us to the context today. What is the context today? As we look around us, and as we reflect back on what has been a very tough two years for those, in, especially in healthcare, in the forefronts, we see stretched across the globe a lot of healthcare workers either reducing their involvement in the work that they do, or even opting out of healthcare. Second is that what we see is that there's an increasing number of individuals who are experiencing tremendous stress leading to anxiety and resulting in either depression or burnout and in some places we've heard of how people have opted out of life we've had a number of people in in india commit suicide because they just could not face the struggles that they went through and that's the context we are in and it was that context that challenged cogi and the team that uh, part of uh, part of my team to look at how do we deal with this? How do we help healthcare workers? I'm a dentist and I worked in one of the most stressful parts of our country, the most demanding areas, area of India. It's Bihar, there does disease burdens pretty high, The people there are extremely uh, uh, aggressive in their behavior. And every day we had to face situations in our, in, in, in our uh, emergency rooms and, and our, in our uh, uh, OPDs, outpatient patient departments of aggressive patients, volatile re- reactions to situations. And so the stress that was built up in, our, in, in my, my, myself and my colleagues, we often did not seek to address those stresses that were building up inside us. Of course, over a period of time, we did Speak to friends, speak to others, but looking across the spectrum of healthcare, people find it difficult as healthcare workers to share, to tell, to come up and say, "I need help." I provide help to people, but it's difficult, and often it takes a lot of a uh, lot of courage and humility for a healthcare worker to come and say, "I need your help. I need help." But when we ask and when we bring them together and we ask them, "Do you really need help?" then of course they do say, "Yes, we need help." And that's how, from that context, we developed this program. Now, if you look at the emotional and psychological challenges in healthcare, there are many. But I'm going to list out. This is this won't be new to you, but it just reinforces well, what you and I are experiencing every day in, in our healthcare work, caring for sick. Intense, intensely stressful and emotional situations, you know, caring for them. Second, the exposure to human suffering and death leads to often distress and depression. Thirdly, unique pressures from relationships with the, with, with the patients, family members, employers. That's another stress, that's another challenge that people in healthcare experience. Of course, working conditions with ongoing risks for hazardous exposures. Now, I think uh, we are living in a post-COVID world, um, post-pandemic world. But we will not live in a post-COVID world. it will keep on emerging, just as much as influenza continues to be a, a challenge for us. This is something we will continue to have, and other you know, exposures, other pandemics. We just don't know how the world is progressing on. But these are some of the challenges that we'll be facing. Second, third, long and often unpredictable. Schedules of hours of work. I just came across a friend of mine. He's working in San Antonio as a pediatrician. And he says, three people have resigned from his his, his, uh, department. And all the load has come upon him. So he says, the only time I can talk to you is next Thursday. So this is the situation people are facing. Unstable and unpredictable work lives, and financial strains that come in. So, this is, these are some of the myriad issues that people in healthcare face, but they're not willing to talk about it. And here's a few statistics that I got from uh, the resources. You can see the resource there at the foot, as a footnote. But stress in non-clinical staff. of non-clinical staff, that's administrators, support staff, experience stress. My brother, you would have seen that in Nigeria. Anxiety is 27%. Depression, 20.6%. But the next statistics is what struck me so powerfully. Isn't the challenge the clinical staff face, that includes the nurses, the dentists, uh, the, pharmac- the uh, lab technicians, those who are directly involved with engaging with patients, 73.6% experienced stress. This was done through a questionnaire, not just in one country, but across a spectrum of countries. Its anxiety was, again, similar to the non-clinical staff, 23.5%, and depression was 34.2%. And that's why we developed this Care for the Caregiver program. The Care for the Caregiver program is, <coughs> is, a, is purpose for focusing on the person of the healthcare worker, addressing their stress and anxiety, providing tools to be a better holistic caregiver. And how do you of the program was of eight modules that are interactive. Each module is a two and a half hour module. And it's held over eight weekends or three or four days or depending on how you want to uh, run that program. And what's the training methodology that we use? Okay, yes, yeah, okay, yeah. One is group learning. And through this group learning, we uh, look at tra- transfer of knowledge through presentations, discussions, and at the end of each module, there's a key takeaway so that when you go through module one, at the end of the module, after having gone through all the, all the other aspects of, the, of that module, you have a set of key takeaways that you take with you. The second methodology is role plays. And we use healthcare scenarios and we're practicing it where each of these role plays, there's a caregiver, there's a care res- receiver and there's an observer. Why do we do this? even as you have experienced stress and issues that you have not been able to deal with personally, when you go through this program and as you learn, th- the, learn some of the, uh, to give, provide the tools and some of the concepts and aspects of, of what is taught, and as you do the role plays, not only are you learning how to provide care, but on the other hand, when you are part of the role play, you are also being cared for because you are list, getting listened to, you're getting, uh, you are know, getting uh, talked to, you are the one who is also receiving as you give in the role play. So this is a unique program. You have provided the tools, you have shown how to deal with certain issues, but as you carry out the role plays within, the, within each, uh, each module that you do, you also get ministered to, you also get get uh, responded to. And also there is, for this program, because it's based on a Christian foundation, we ask all the members of the group to have a prayer partner. we allocate prayer partners. So if if there's a group of eight or ten, then there'll be five, two on two. It'll be same gender and it's done in the, in, in the class while the modules are being taught and at the same time outside the class you continue to spend time with each other. So that's where the basis of it is. You learn, the, you learn things about gr- grieving or listening and I'll tell you what the modules are. But as you, as you deal with those things, as you do the role plays, you also carry on engaging with people within the group, one person who's of the same gender. You sit with them and that person sits with you. You share more details of what you're going through, and this helps because these prayer partners will continue to interact and engage with each other. What are the training objectives? Is we provide the concepts and tools for enhancing your ability to care for others, and receive care from others, and care for yourself. We demonstrate effective application of these tools through the role plays. And build relationships with other participants and at least one that extends beyond the completion of these series. And it also establishes a path to grow in your ability to deal with ongoing issues in your life and the challenges that each of you and your colleagues face. So a program like this that we did uh, about a month ago in one of the hospitals that was part of the network I belong to. And we had, interestingly, the medical director. The deputy medical director, the nursing director, the community health director, and I thought were there were any more directors, but there were any more more, but there were others that, <coughs> who came together. And after this training program was conducted, they gave a feedback and said, It's the first time somebody took the, t- took the, no, t- took the efforts to come and listen to us and provide a space for us to engage. With the struggles and challenges we've had, and to be able to meaningfully address it through this program. What are the program modules? We've got a program introduction gives you an overview of what this whole program is about and what are things you can expect out of it. What are your expectations? And then it's understanding feelings, your, mine, and ours. This this module talks about the importance of feelings. It talks about how feelings, needs to be, need, feelings need to be shared with one another and how to, how to respond when you hear someone expressing his or her feeling to you. The next module is the Art of Listening. Healthcare professionals think they are very good listeners. But a research that was done about a few years ago and this is around a doctor that within 5 seconds of a patient sharing their struggle the doctor has already got an answer and within 15 seconds they've already started writing and this is the indian context and the african context i don't know how it is in the us but they don't know how to listen we don't know i don't know how to l- i didn't know how to listen and my wife tells me i'm the worst listener <laughs> she has reasons for that then also we talk about the whole module on christ centered caregiver caregiving that's christ centered there's a lot of caregiving that we hear about uh, I, I was i was researching looking at the papers and there's one caregiving program that is there out of san Anto- san antonio where my daughter was uh, doing research and it's when i looked through it good concepts But this code of caring comes from the best carer, the ultimate carer, and that's Christ. And if our caring is centered around Christ, then we would be able to provide the right care for others. And the others who care for us would be able to care for us rightly. And then caring with a process approach. My friend was very insistent as a team member to put this in. And I asked him why. I said, you are not a medical, you know, involved in, 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 in a hospital. Why do you say that? And he says, doctors and medical people are very you know, result-oriented. They want results immediately. But caring is not an issue of result. It's a process. And how do you approach caring through process? And then, of course, speaking the truth in love. We talk about what speaking the, truth, speaking the truth in love, talk about aspects of um, how, how you can be aggressive, how you can be passive, how you can be both, we can be passive aggressive or you can be assertive. Now, some of you may be skilled in being assertive. I come from India and we don't know how to be assertive. Assertiveness is not part of our culture, so we have to learn it. But these are some of the aspects that we teach in this speaking the truth in love. And of course, every one of us go through grieving. It's not just because we've lost a loved one, but we go through grieving when we fail in the treatment we provide, or the treatment or, or the care that we give to a person doesn't result in what we expect. We do grieve. How do you deal with that grieving? When somebody is sitting in the class, While doing this session, this person uh, was sharing with, with another member of his team about the grief he was going through. And I was listening to that grief. And it didn't look as grief, but that for that person, it was really something that tore that person's heart apart.
1: And so I said, yeah,
0: there are different griefs that people go through. We don't realize that this could be a grief that they experience. But when they share it, then we are able to deal with. It. And how do you deal with a person grieving? And then, of course, finally from there, now what do you and I do? Now this this uh, session cannot give prior justice to a program that is eight module long, and which has two and a half hours for each modules. But I would like to give you a taster of one of the two of the modules, a little bird's eye, a little view of what was taught in that program so this first module 3 is called listening now I've got two friends who will do a role play out here and that's what we do when we do that program can I ask Cam and uh, Abe to come in now watch carefully can you speak loudly so that
1: how you doing, Abe? Good. Good. Well, I wish I could say the same. I'm really struggling a bit. This last week's been really rough. You know, uh, you. yeah, we lost some more of our team members. The nurses, some of the nurses and the CMAs left. Um, give me a second. I got a call. Give me a sure, yeah. Oh, all right.
2: I'll be there in a minute. Okay. Give me, okay. I'm. I'm I'm listening to somebody. All right. <laughs>
1: yeah, so it's been rough, uh, I have to admit. And, you know, the number of patients coming in, it's a really busy time of year. Everybody's got respiratory problems and, all you these know, tests. And some of the providers, they can't it in. And, yeah, I'm seeing like twice the number of people on the same 12-hour shift. And, uh, I don't know what the administration's thinking. It's just been rough. Mm. Yeah. So uh yeah. what did you see <laughs> Yeah, so it's been it's been rough. Oh, that's
0: good. Uh, you haven't had that problem yet? Uh, okay, okay. <laughs> 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 okay, you can take your chance. <laughs> You, you, you're all laughing at the whole thing, right? There are smiles on your faces. You're wondering what's happening. And this is the first exercise. You know, person A shares about a recent challenging, work he has at, it's challenging situation he has at work. Person B ignores Person A. He you know? looks at his phone, looks out of the window, yawns. He didn't yawn, by the way, but he didn't tie his shoelace. But these are some of the things. And now we get two people to do these, uh, this role play. What do you think? Was uh, Abe listening to Cameron? Was he? And Cameron was kept on talking. Because his heart was full of all the struggles that he was going through. But was Abe listening? No. So this is a non-listening demo. How often do we listen like that? Too often. Yes. And we are healthcare workers. We want to care for others. And these are our colleagues. So then, why is listening important? Why is it important? Number one, the Bible says it's important. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak. I kind of infringe that verse very often. I'm quick to speak and slow to listen. We have two years and one mouth, so that we can listen and twice as much as we speak. That's what Epictetus said, as a Greek philosopher. He got two years, He got one one mouth. But sometimes we behave as if we got two mouths and one ear. Listening is caring. This is Dr. Stephen Hogg. He's a psychiatrist as well as a pastor. He says three qualities. Listening requires three qualities: desire, commitment, and patience truly listening attentively and with care is one of the simplest and most kind things we can give anyone so how do we listen and i want to present a model called the solar model it's not rocket science it's just putting some things we all the things we know into something that we can carry with ourselves one is you sit slightly forward As you listen to people slightly forward, don't lean over. Second, maintain an open and relaxed posture so that the person who speaks to you understands that you're listening, senses you're listening. Very often we do cross our arms or cross our legs, but there's a posture where we maintain an open and relaxed posture. You look into the other person's eyes. Did you see? Abraham was not looking into the other person's eyes. Don't stare into the other person's eyes because that's very intimidating. But look into the other person's eyes. Pay such strict attention to what the other person is saying that you're able to what? Reflect what the other person is saying. How do we follow these in our... Interactions in the in our clinics, in our workplaces, even in our homes, to our children, to our siblings, to the friends we say are the best friends of ours. Do we know when we talk to them? Now we can't do this all the time. You know, there are times when we we pull each other's legs as, as friends. But when somebody is sharing their struggle or comes to us requiring help, is this is the way we listen to them. This ought to be the way that God tells us to listen to. So I'm going to do the next role play and I hope, Cameron, you get listened listen to. Abraham, would you like to do this? You're the one who's mm-hmm. listening to him. You, heard, you learned about what listening is about, right? Yeah. <laughs> I hope you... <laughs>
2: I thought you really switched
0: the... Road. No. <laughs>
1: uh, good. How are you doing? Well, you now, know, to be honest, it's been kind of a rough week. Uh, just a really lot of people coming in. The patients are pretty demanding at times too. And some of our staff you uh, either got sick or had to leave for different reasons. It puts a lot of stress on what we're trying to do. Seeing so many patients. No, I know. You know, we have long, you know, it's very tough. Yeah. It's what do you do during those days. Yeah. How
2: do you manage
1: By God's grace, really. Um, but, yeah, we have some good providers that work together. But it's, it's hard. It really is.
0: Okay. Can you just take a stop there? Did you think he was listening to you, um, Cam? Yeah. What was the posture that you felt? You know, was it was it an, you know, was it an open posture? Did you feel intimidated by him?
1: No, he was engaging. He was looking at me. His position, his fear, his responses to me were appropriate.
0: Okay, but there was a small problem there. Uh, he was just supposed to listen. And so, to reflect what he said. So that's one area that we inter- intervene when, some, when the role play goes. You go, so, so Abraham, uh, when he said, I've gone through this and this, reflecting, you say, "Oh, I, if I heard you correctly, this is what you're going through. Because right now, he's just sharing his struggle. And you're there to listen to him but isn't that what we often do okay we may not be the, like the first person we may we may pr- lean over look into the eyes of the individual we may ask what's the struggles that you, what are the struggles you're going through but very so often in after listening to this person we immediately try to give advice and that may not be that's not what is needed at that point of time listening requires You to hear what the other person is saying, and to make sure what you've heard right is whether you've heard rightly what he said, is to reflect back. Ah, by the way, this is what you said, right? Did I hear you correctly? So this is what you're going through. And so what happens when the person who's listening reflects back? It gives two messages. One, he indeed was listening, and number two, that what I said was understood by the person who was listening to me. It's not that I said something and the person who listened heard something different. So that is the whole concept of listening, the solar concept. I hope you guys got that. But very often, when we go through listening to a person, we continue on to what Abraham did. Oh, so how do you cope up with this? Oh, is that so? And then... Poor poor, poor Cameron, he was not ready for it. So he just said, okay, yeah, by God's grace. But he's struggling. That's not what is the point of this point of time now is not to ask how you go through the situation is to hear what that person is going through. Listening requires us to allow the person who is before in front of us to share everything that they want to share to us to able to unload, unburden what's really pressing upon that person's heart or what's pressing down upon the person's spirit. So that's something that uh, we did there. Now you can go back to your... So this is just one little part of the module two called, module 3 called Listening. And so I would encourage you to, uh, to go to take this program, because not only will it help you personally, but also give you skills to be able to reach out to others. I'm going to give another t- t- aspect of the taster module to feelings. And this is the safe house. The first module of our program is feelings, how to, sh- how, how to share one's feelings. But how does someone share their feelings? How do you become someone to whom people will open up? Is when you provide a safe house for them. What is a safe house? The first one is grace based acceptance. Why do we say that? When you're working in a healthcare setting and you're working with a colleague who's going through struggles but that colleague has been someone you have not been able to communicate well with because you've got issues with that person. You are not able to accept that person at the workplace because some history that you've had or something about that person's personality which doesn't really resonate with you. And now that person comes up to you and says, "I've got something. I'm struggling with. I'm having this, these, these issues. Are you willing to listen to us? Listen to me. You need to be someone who gracefully accepts them, gracefully, with grace that comes from God. They may be the most irritating person to you, but that begins with accepting them with." The grace that God has accepted you by grace based acceptance. The second is what we see uh, listening. A safe house begins with true listening. If you are a person who is known to be a listener, people will come to you. My wife is an exceptional listener. And I find that many people gravitate towards her. Not that they don't gravitate towards me, but they do gravitate because she's someone who's a tremendously gifted listener. And she's got patience, she's got intention, and she's also got perseverance. And that's what you and I need. To provide a safe house for our colleagues to come and share their struggles and difficulties with us. And when we look for somebody who we want to share our feelings with, we need to find someone who accepts us with grace and who's willing to listen to us. And then there's is empathy. Empathy is not equal to sympathy. I know all of us do know what empathy is about, but just to make it simple. Empathy is to be able to walk in the other person's shoes but not be downed by the other person's difficulties. And we use here empathy to describe empathy more clearly. There is an illustration we use called the mud hole experience and that the mud hole illustration. Have you heard of the mud hole illustration? Yeah, I wish I could do it for you right now, but uh, time doesn't permit us. If we have time, then I will do that mud hole presentation. I've got to pull it out from one of, one of our modules. But the mud hole, present, uh, mud hole concept is this. There's a person who is within a mud hole. And that person is struggling because that person doesn't have anywhere to anchor. There are three ways of you can do it. One is, you can over-identify with that person. You yourself get into the mud hole. Or you can be sympathetic, you can stand on the rim of the mud hole and say, Oh really? Oh, okay. I feel sad. I can understand. Whereas empathy is where you reach out your hand and you help the person come up. But our mud hole illustration is where on one hand you are reaching out and bringing that person up. On the other hand you are holding on to a tree which is Christ. And you draw your strength and your resource and your encouragement from Christ. So that there is this verse which says, Praise to the Father who comforts you with every comfort, so that you can comfort those with the same comfort that you have received. So that's empathy. we talk about confidentiality? I come from a culture where the grape wine is very strong. <laughs> and one man's story can become the, con- the, the village uh, news, news over a period of time. I don't know. I don't think in the U.S. it happens, does it? Uh,
1: never. never. It never happens,
0: right? Never. It never happens. I think it it's crosses every culture. And we need to be people of confidentiality. And it's something we have to learn. Our DNA is not a DNA of confidentiality. And that's where the module Christ-centered caregiver comes in. Whereas as a Christ-centered caregiver, you learn what it means to be a person of confidentiality. And I've had to learn that lesson. And I've had to be beaten to learn, down to be learn that lesson. But then it's interesting when you are known to be a person who keeps confidence and and keeps confidentiality, you have people coming up to you in the middle of the night. And how much more would you desire to share your struggles and challenges to people who will keep their confidentiality? So this is what we teach in that module. How to maintain confidentiality. And then as you do the role plays, you also realize that the other person is learning to, increasingly learning to, be confident, to keep confidentiality. You are also increasingly learning to keep confidentiality. And now you suddenly open up. And you, you suddenly realize, oh, I've been listened to. I've been in a safe house. I've been cared for. These were the responses of those people who went through this program, which we had a month ago in one of the hospitals. And finally, trust. Sorry trust that people can trust you and people can trust you because you have a trust in the Lord Jesus so this is the safe house that we want to present, we present to the participants and this is the safe house that we want us who go through this program create And and at the end of each module we have this what we call the caregivers foundation What are the things that I am not competent in now? Do I lack competence in the area of confidentiality? Do I lack the competence in the area of listening or empathy? And how do I build that competency? Am I faith filled? How much does my faith apply in the area of listening to somebody else? In the area of Responding to people's feelings. So each module has this. How much have I increased in competence, in compassion, after going through this program, through this this module? How much much more dependable am I as a person who cares for those who need care? And of course, at the end of each module, how much more Christ-centered have I become? Because this is what will ultimately define who we are as caregivers and care providers. Here, do you have any questions? I've just given you a small window into the modules that we... Yes, please. Sure. Yes, I heard you correctly. When somebody comes to you, you already are emotionally struggling. You you you're full up emotionally, right? And any anything can push over the thing. And how do you, how do you deal with a person like that? You know? And I think uh, any, anyone anyone wants to answer. Yes, yes, Terry. Thank you very much. And I think that's where the important aspect of this, what, what we began with, you know, health care workers have this strange phenomena, I would say it, building up all the emotional stresses and not dealing with them the moment they face stress A. It's A plus B plus C plus D. And then you've got, as we said, brimming up with stresses and emotions. And then you've got somebody come in and you cannot be helpful to that person. You cannot reach out to that person. That's why right from the beginning of your career and a week's work or even a day's work, if you face a stress, you need to deal with that. And how do you deal with it? You need to identify a person who can be a support in your workplace. So that's number one. Use your oxygen mask first. And if you're if you discipline yourself and if you are intentional in caring for yourself, then you have the wherewithal, the ability. When someone comes to you as a team member with their struggles, then you're able to deal with it. Is, that, is have you is that is that an answer? That? But again, thank you, Terry. For for uh, I'm sorry, I used your name, Terry. <laughs> She's she's my daughter's hero. Okay. Yeah. So, but this program, why we want to bring this program is that you know, it's everyone is in this state where they're all emotionally and and you know um, psychologically stressed. But as we go th- as they go through these modules, that stress levels and anxiety levels are over a period of those those. Yeah, the period that they go through is, has reduced. And then they also learn how to deal with it at point A, when they first face the situation. So then they become a place of safe, become a safe home. Your department becomes a safe home. Your ward becomes a safe home. Now that seems to be idealistic. It's not idealistic. Actually, after this program was done, Half of those who were there were nurses, and they said that we tried this. Initially, it was difficult, but over the few days, few weeks that we started applying what we learned, we saw a difference both in the way we dealt with the stresses that were coming in, and we also were becoming intentional in reaching out to our staff who we knew were going through stress. Any other questions? Yes, please. It's a Christian centered. It's very Christian centered. that's a question that a lot of people have asked us after we developed this and uh, we are open to see how we can make it uh, secularly available but still spiritually influenced you know. so we might have to turn some of the terminologies in a way that would be uh, acceptable to a context where you can't introduce spirituality but still maintains the very core of, the, of, of what we are talking about except the Christ-centered caregiver. That's a module we couldn't introduce. Yes, please. I was a lot of times, I think you think of a 12-step program that I think was firstly, like, alcohol. mm Domains. Yes, see us Yeah. a lot of wisdom, and it requires significant, you know, shall we say, discernment, how to tailor their program, but then you know who's there with us, who has both, provides us both discernment and wisdom, the Holy Spirit, so, yeah, I think we, I think it's a challenge for us, this is new, uh, this program is relatively new, and uh, we still want to see how it progresses within the christian network but uh, thank you what's your name again mary, mary. okay mary we we uh, that's a good question you put forward and it's not that it's first time that we've that question but since you you've brought it forward i think it may be the lord telling us to think think globally also Thanks. Yes. And if I could give you an answer to that I would answer it this way uh, Mary here's one uh, look at Daniel's life Daniel was a man who was the prime minister of four different kingdoms under four increasingly violent and I would say deranged leaders but there's something that was his unique selling point That he was a person who was different from the others. And the only thing they could find different from him was his faith. Well, why did they find it different? Because every other dimension of his life, he was so uniquely placed to be a challenge and to be an example to them. And then, of course, the last point came the faith. So, in a case like this, if you apply these principles in your workplace as an individual... First of all, the kings of the place or the people of influence will start seeing this difference in how you, you apply your life and how you respond to people who go through struggles. And then you also see the rest of the population around you your patients, your patient relatives, your friends. See, you deal with stress differently. You are able to, people listen to you, people talk to you, people share their feelings to you. What is it that makes a difference? They say, well, yeah, this is how I operate. And it's because of this. These are the principles I use. So you can begin with that, a small seed. You be a message, then you become the messenger. So you be the message first. You apply these principles where you are. And then they may say, okay, we want to listen to you. Then you become the messenger. Yes, please. Is this like only in person? Is it online? Are you See, because there are role plays that we have today, it's a lot of role plays. This is just, as I said, you know, we just had 15, 20 minutes to put this. So it's all role plays. And there's a lot of group discussions. So in person is what uh, is, is there at, the pre- at present, you know. And um, there are big questions can you make it online? It'll need a younger person to do that. <laughs> Yes, please. Uh, You can go to the website, and this is this is where we are. And if you want to contact, those are the contact numbers. Abraham is there. Abraham is a pediatrician uh, based in New Jersey, and I am a dentist based in India but we can communicate. There's Zoom. Uh, but I, we are willing to see, for us, it's not that because we do it this way, it will only be done this way. But we are looking at exploring, as, uh, we, we are open to exploring opportunities and ways of how we can make this available that is, you know, that's contextual as well as relevant and as well as accessible to people. Yes. Terry, first. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe I should meet you. (laughs) So
2: so do do you start, I mean, I I think like a fabulous tool would be like a self-assessment. You know, and and do you, so that's kind of how we started um, the course is, you know, do you have at least 30 minutes or an hour in the week where you do something just for yourself? Um, and no, holding the laundry for the kids is not doing something for yourself. That, that is still doing something. <laughs> Washing the dishes, even though you feel better that they're off the counter, is not doing something for yourself. Um, and so breaking down some of those internal barriers, and, and so a self-assessment um, might be helpful, but I, I think a fabulous next step would be uh, even a, a workshop here at Global Missions when you bring in caregivers, they could even maybe do a short self-assessment ahead of time, and then almost like a hands-on workshop of, you know, breaking down some of those barriers. You know, we had to face, like, so why why do you not put that in your schedule? And, of course, the first thing is, why work too many hours? Mm. You know, and you, know, you have to kind of eliminate all of those excuses and then work with people to actually schedule some of this time in each week um, to go through this. To, you know what I mean? As a, as a starting point.
0: And then I think you're open for actually learning. You know what I, mean? so I do understand. I do understand. Yeah. Um, a, a workshop would be fabulous. So sort of an initiator for, for them to be primed to take this program. Mm-hmm. Number one, what you said. We do not like to acknowledge as healthcare workers we need help. I couldn't. And I'm somebody who opens my heart to people. But to say I need help because I'm having struggles in the workplace, it's something that people, you know, one day, does it, does, does it minimize who you are as a healthcare professional? You know, how can you go through struggles? You're dealing with people's struggles. You shouldn't be going through this. That's a lie that is generated within our hearts. And so, yes, a self-assessment. I think I'll, we need to talk more on that. And, and priming them with a small work, pre, pre, uh, a, a pre-workshop or something like that. Yeah, you were asking. Just sure I yes, that's very interesting. I'm a Matthew with a single T. <laughs> yeah. Like there's a Jennifer here who's got a single N. Yes, yeah, 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 I just needed one cross here, yes. Yeah, I think uh, this is is, uh, something that is made available to anyone who wants to use it because every single module that has been written has its presentation, number one. And number two, it has all the notes for each of the slides. So the facilitator's notes are there. So I don't need to be there or none of my team members need to be there. You can do it. And you can do it in a way that is more, uh, you know, attuned to your context. Uh, now, what uh, what I hears, hear here is from both of you is if there's something that's there to sort of sensitise them and to provide a, so a, a platform for them to start thinking of the need for uh, going through this program. Maybe we should work on that and provide that sort of you know self assessment and then the workshop. But we are here to serve and to serve in a way that is meaningful to you, accessible for you, uh, and also appropriate to your context. So that's something that conversation can happen. Anyone from this side? Yes. Yes, yes. But then, what would happen is that when you say that you would like to do it, then I, we, one of us, would sit with you and we'd go through, so that you are sure what you you ought to be doing. Because, as I said, this is copyrighted. As long as you copy it rightly. So, in the
2: role plays,
0: you, yeah. you like in the facilitators' manual, everything is there, so exactly, exactly what is to be done. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's, it's a manual that handholds the facilitator. Yeah. Even the words. Now you don't use the same words, you know, we don't want you to, it's like how the Bible was inspired, no? It was not dictated by God. So your personality has to be there in the teaching that comes through. Yeah. Anyone else? I think we are right on dots, the time, five o'clock. If there's any more, if there are any more questions, we can. You can. I'll be here for another few minutes, and you can come and talk to me. If you don't have, then can we close in prayer? And may I ask um, Cameron if you could come forward and disclose us in prayer?
1: Let's pray. Father God, we give you thanks for this time together. How you are shaping our hearts and minds and spirits. Lord, we know that you are with us uh, and even though we have been through some difficult times as caregivers, that you are the light and the life for our lives. Lord, help us to learn and to grow that we might uh, minister to our uh, colleagues and be ministered to. And that as this program, the Care for the Caregivers grows, we pray that it would Minister to your people everywhere. We commit it into your hands. We thank you for Matthew and his team. We ask you to bless it in Jesus' name.
0: Amen.